What is going on, Big Fly crew? Welcome back to episode number 14 of the Big Fly Pod alongside my co-host, Ty Lewin. I'm Christian Myers. Tonight's episode is going to be a continuance of our last two episodes where we talked about a couple of teams coming into this 2023 season as we get ready for spring training here in a few weeks. We're going to transition out of the West into the Central. But before we discuss anything baseball, Ty Lewin, how are we? I'm good, Christian. I'm good. I'm good. We're doing. I'm kind of happy about this whole rolls reverse thing. I kind of come down, I sit down, and I'm just ready to roll. So this is kind of nice. I, I I do prefer this at times. I'm not gonna lie. So this is not bad. Awesome. Well, yeah, it is. Uh, it is a little different, as you listeners know. Usually, ties the one running the show, and I have to think on the fly with all of the questions that he throws to me. But tonight, it is my turn to do that to him. So before we get into it, I think we rightfully need to congratulate Scott Rowland on getting elected into the Hall of Fame, the pride and joy of Jasper, Indiana. Probably one of the better third basemen of all time, arguably, I think, a top five player in our lifetime at third base. Uh, looking at some of his numbers, I mean, a 281 career average, 316 home runs, eight gold gloves, seven all-star game appearances, and a World Series ring. So, Ty, I want to get your thoughts on Scott Rowland getting elected in and see if there's anybody that you think got snubbed from this year's ballot. Yeah, for, again, just to reiterate what Christian just said, congrats to Scott. Uh, I saw an awesome video of him being able to tell his parents and just those moments that always happen when these announcements come about. It's it's just some of the best things that happen in sports and rightfully deserved, as you mentioned there, with the, that incredible stat line of, of his career and what he meant to so many teams like the Blue Jays and the Cardinals. Uh, obviously, as a Cub fan myself, I hated any time playing him, but I would take him any day on the Cubs. Um, you know, looking, I just saw one stat earlier, Christian. He had the lowest debut percentage on the Hall of Fame ballot, eventually elected by the BBWA, Double uh, A. He started at ten point two percent in twenty eighteen, which is pretty ridiculous but it seems to be the trend these days obviously and happens to many guys but I don't know I mean as I'm guessing you'll probably agree I I thought Todd Helton should have gotten in I mean to be at 72.2 percent and just needing 75 I mean who is the jag off that said no to this guy I mean one of the best Rockies ever um had better stats in some areas than Larry Walker so I just felt that that was somebody that I would like to have seen get in. Um, but for the rest of the crew, I know they have still you know some years to come. I think of the guys like Andrew Jones, um, Carlos Beltran, the player, not the what has become since his end of his career. Um, I was hoping for a little bit of Jeff Kent magic, you know, most home runs ever by a second baseman. Um, but again, this is the Hall of Fame, and there are certain players that really stand out, and Scott Rowland's one of those guys. Yeah, I agree with all that, and I like your your opinion there about Helton as well because now that Larry Walker's got in to the Hall of Fame, I think that there's that precedent set that we don't have to keep Rockies out anymore because of the Coors Field effect. And one of the things I thought with Todd Helton for his reason of not getting voted in yesterday was because maybe he had 
a bit of that Andrew Jones dilemma where played a couple too many years and saw his stats drop off at the end. But I looked back at his numbers and was surprised in a good way with how good they were in those last three, four years of his career. I think next year he might be a shoe in to get in just because of how many votes he got this year. Same thing with Billy Wagner. But I do agree with you on Jeff Kent. I I was a little bit surprised by that as well. Um, Heard on a guy on MLB radio last night that called in and complained about the voting process and how writers hold personal grudges against some of the players. And maybe that's why some of these guys are not getting in over others. But, um, you know, and that, but that's also, I think, one of the things that makes the baseball hall so cool is that it is so selective. Couldn't agree more, man. I, I, there are a lot of people that really do hate the writers and what they do in reference, obviously, to these decisions and how some people don't want the writers to make these decisions. But there is a lot of background and stuff that goes into it. Obviously, some people are literally going to uh, have a bad day, week, month, year, rest of their life based on their best pl- you know, favorite player and not getting into the hall. So I think I find it hilarious when those people call in and, and complain. Um, I really do. I, I, I don't know, um, one, how you do that. Uh, I think you've got to find a phone number, I'm guessing. But I just, I don't know. It, it it doesn't seem to me like some of these guys, I mean, for that big of a gap for some of these guys, is is it shows. I mean, it means something to have that big of a gap. But, again, don't want to take anything away from Scotty Rowland. Just unbelievable career. Also didn't realize how fast he was. Never knew that. Didn't realize he had, like, some pretty high, highly rated, like, base stealing uh, along with like base running seasons, that dude's huge. I didn't realize he was that good on the bases. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I saw that. <laughs> I too. had no like, idea. It was just yeah, kind of out of nowhere. When I, I looked earlier, uh, like I think it was what like 115 or so stolen bases, and I was surprised by that as well because all the years that I remember watching him play, I don't think I ever saw him swipe one, but um, <laughs> it's possible. So. <laughs> but all right, uh, so that covers our our Hall of Fame discussion, and now let's get into the main segment of the night, which is looking at these NL Central teams. And this has become a really interesting division, I think, as we've gone through the course of the off season so far. And it was looking like it was maybe just going to be the Cardinals to run away with, but the Brewers are still in the mix in the picture, and. Your Chicago Cubs have done some things over the offseason that have put themselves in a position to possibly look to take the division crown next year. Um, we'll just do it like we normally do it, where you know we cover cover the team a little bit, talk about what their lineup might look like in their rotation, and then hit hit a, hit some names on a couple of prospects to look at next year. So we're going to start tonight with the Cardinals and the Cubs, but let's start with the Cardinals and looking at these guys, they are a team who lost a couple of vets in Pujols and Molina who retired. And then their other big loss was Jose Quintana who came out pretty strong last year, which was maybe a little bit surprising to some after the years past, he's had, you know, a couple flashes a few years ago and last year turned it on, but was whisked away in free agency. Um, 
the Cardinals were able to, of course, sign Wilson Contreras, and they were able to bring back Adam Wainwright. So looking at their potential lineup for this year, it looks like they're going to have Tommy Edmund at short, Contreras behind the plate, the reigning NL MVP, Paul Goldschmidt at first base, Nolan Arenado in the cleanup spot over at third. And then I think either Paul DeYoung or Brendan Donovan at second with Tyler O'Neill, Lars Newbar, and Dylan Carlson in the outfield. And then I think competing for the DH spot is probably going to be Nolan Gorman and Juan Yepes. And their starting rotation is going to feature Adam Wainwright, Miles Michaelis, Jordan Montgomery, who remember they got at the deadline in the Bader trade, Jack Flaherty and Steven Matz with probably either Helsley or Giovanni Gallegos in the closer spot. So, Ty, when you look at this Cardinals roster, after how consistent it's been over the last several years, do you think that the roster that they have as of today moving into next season is going to be able to maintain that consistency to get to the playoffs? Or what do you think that they need to do in order to be able to accomplish that? Well, looking at their lineup, of course, with adding Wilson Contreras and also some of their younger guys having a chance to develop, you know, a guy like Brennan Donovan becoming an absolute superstar at the second base position. And of course, Dylan Carlson just continually developing into a fantastic hitter. And I think he's a guy that you can look out for, you know, hitting over 20 bombs and potentially 75 to 100 RBIs next year. I think he's really going to be a breakout star. You obviously your middle of the lineup is still just so stacked now with, of course, the addition of Wilson and Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Aaron. Those things will not change for this lineup, and they'll be a dangerous uh, lineup for sure. There's a couple guys like Lars Newtbar, Juan Yepes, as I've seen, is some of the names that potentially at DH or outfield. Of course, we're going to probably talk about some players here in a little bit to watch out for that could be looking for those spots. Even a guy like Tyler O'Neill, right? He's a guy who hit 24 bombs last year. Look for him to potentially get to that 30 mark. Um, if he hits, if he continues to have. Uh, the body type like he does where he's this Canadian bodybuilder basically and is benching and squatting more than any player I've ever seen. I project, I project him to be over 30 home runs and that's just based totally on that. My only concern is their starting rotation. I look right now, every single three out of the five arms are above a four ERA and your lowest is Jordan Montgomery at 3.76 who had a tremendous start to the season last year for the Cardinals. Again, Jordan Montgomery, great pitcher. Jack Flaherty, a guy who can obviously jump off the board and be a fantastic arm for you if he doesn't run into injury concerns. But I do look at that rotation and say if they're going to make a, uh, a run through the playoffs, because I do think this is a playoff team, I do see, I do see them having to make some form of a move at the trade deadline. Um, or if maybe there's a guy in the farm system that can be looked upon to fulfill that need. I personally don't see that right now. So my biggest worry for them, and this is not being biased whatsoever, is just that from a starting rotation side of things, yes, you have a lot of veteran guys, but Adam Wainwright, you know, at the stage of his career, he dealt with the dead arm a little bit towards the latter half of the season last year. Miles Mikolas has not necessarily popped off like he did at the beginning. Jordan Montgomery and Jack Flaherty, as we discussed, they're guys that can do the job. Flaherty needs to step up this year. And then finally, their fifth guy, Steven Matz, um, looked to be sufficient enough, just over 100 Ks last year in the fifth spot. But 
I don't look at any of those guys and be really, really uh, concerned if I'm an opposing team, especially in the playoffs. Um, now, they almost got past the Phillies last year in the last round, if, as long as, you know, Helsley didn't run into the issues he had in the ninth. Um, they're, you're, you know, potentially the, the Cardinals are making it out of that game. I don't think much further than that. But Again, Christian, I'm looking at this starting rotation and going, wait, you're going to need somehow to keep Wainwright as, as much as you can for that maybe potential one playoff game that you're, you know, or that one wild card game that you're trying to get in. Are they still going with that three game format for the playoffs next year? Yeah, it'll be the yeah. same. Yeah. So um, that's really kind of my breakdown here, man. Is I, I mean, this is sort of concerning because it's a team that has spent the money has brought in the right guys. I don't see Wilson Contreras being from a defensive position, being a very valuable for some of these guys, like a guy like Yadier Molina was. Um, he's more of an offensive threat. That's just what the defensive stats and what the you know word around the league is. So I, I guess my only concern is their starting rotation, but I will say this, that back half of the bullpen – if they can just give them a couple, uh, you know, five, six, seven innings, they got some absolute dudes they can bring out of the pen. So that's my breakdown of the Cardinals. I, I see them likely winning the division, um, but I, I would wonder if they're going to make a big move there at the trade deadline to grab another arm. Yeah, those are all uh, really good takes, I think, and really interesting. And I agree with you completely on the pitching side. Um, I think, you know, I, I do see them maybe making a move at the deadline depending on what everybody's doing and what they can get back for it they you know tried out one of their big time prospects from last year Matthew Libertor in a starting role for a while there when Flaherty went down and I don't think it panned out necessarily as good as everybody thought it might Uh, but I was going to ask you as well about Wilson Contreras if you think that that would be a guy who could come in and manage the pitching staff like Yadier Molina did but it sounds like from your from your opinions there that you don't think that that might be the case. I, I, he's a born leader. He's an, he's an apps unbelievable when it comes to the clubhouse, a guy that I'm very, very feared of potentially injuring one of our players. If we ever get into some form of a brawl this year with the Cardinals, with the Cubs. But I mean, just looking at the defensive metrics, I, I, again, this could totally change. This could totally improve. Um, I think Yachty is going to help with the club a little bit. So maybe he offers some value there. I'm rooting for Wilson just because he literally gave all he had for the Cubs. Um, but to come into this year and try and do all this with this staff and what he has to work with on the mound, it's concerning. Yeah, that's interesting to think about, um, especially as an outsider looking in at Wilson Contreras over the years. You know, I thought that maybe that would be the perfect fit to replace Yachty, but now I'm learning tonight that that may not be so much the case. Um, but going ahead and looking at some of the prospects that they've got down in the farm system, uh, I'm going to keep it the same as I've been doing the last couple weeks with one position player, one pitcher and the position player. I think there's really two guys actually in the Cardinals, uh, farm system right now that are really stand out to me, um, which is Mason Wynn and the one I'm going to talk about even more, which is Jordan Walker. Um, Jordan Walker, I mean, coming out of high school, I started following him pretty early because he was a, a Duke commit, uh, obviously didn't go to college because he got drafted in the first round, I believe by the Cardinals. Um, 
this is a guy who just has, I mean, amazing tools, just an incredibly electric bat. The ball flies off of it when he really gets a hold of it and he can drive it gap to gap really, really well. Defensively, I'm not so sure what they're planning on doing with him. I think he's an outfielder and I know he's a third baseman for sure, but I think they might try and play him over at first base, depending on what happens this season. And if they want to give Goldschmidt some extra time in the DH role. Uh, But if Nolan Arenado decides to walk after this year, I think Jordan Walker definitely becomes their everyday third baseman in 2024 and moving forward. And then on the pitching side, I know, you know, you just mentioned uh, that they need some starting pitching help, but the pitching prospect that I really like out of the Cardinals system is Ian Bedell, who is out of the University of Missouri, uh, drafted in the fourth round during the COVID draft. And usually you don't see true relievers getting drafted super, super high unless they're you know, 100 mile an hour plus arms that are in the strike zone. And Bedell was kind of a lower, a low 90s guy with just really good stuff. I mean, posted a 0.59 ERA in the Cape Cod League after his sophomore year. And even though it was the COVID year and he went in the fourth round, he got second round money in a normal draft. So obviously the Cardinals are really invested in him. And after we saw the the bullpen blow up last year in the playoffs, I think that that might be an area of concern and an area of focus for St. Louis. And so for that reason, I think Ian Bedell, even though he might not be up this year necessarily, I think once he gets up, he will probably jump either right into that closer role or do kind of what Devin Williams is doing in Milwaukee and be a true setup guy who can be a closer when they need to give whoever the true closer is a day off like Milwaukee did with Williams and Hayter. Um, But that wraps up our Cardinals discussion, unless you wanted to talk about them a little bit more. No, I mean, at the end of the day, like I I just kind of look through just more of the stats from Wilson from last year. Yeah, he's catching guys, stealing, but you know, they were up in errors last year with the Cubs. Um, You know, other stats, you know, showed that, uh, from the standpoint of runs against, you know, per game, obviously that's, you know, based on, you know, the, the pitching staff per se, but they were up there with that, um, you know, errors that were up there, as I mentioned, fielding percentage, they were low. Um, and so it's just one of those things where I don't want to make it sound like I hate Wilson Contreras. Cause he's a guy that I wanted to have back on the Cubs based on the fact that from an offensive standpoint, um, we are going to be missing that next year, but, I think overall the Cardinals are in a, just a wonderful position from the standpoint of that they're going to be able to score runs. And at the end of the day, um, that is a big plus. And, you know, we'll see if they make a big, uh, you know, trade deadline move. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I would love to keep talking about the Cardinals and I wish that we could do a whole podcast just about the Cardinals because I know how much you would love to do that, Ty. But let's go ahead and move it on up to the team up north. And before I let you get rolling, because I know that this is your squad, so I'm pretty much going to turn it over to you and just let you talk about whatever you want to talk about. But before I do that, I want to tip the cap to Ricketts and the rest of the front office for what they did during this offseason, because I think everybody was kind of expecting them to keep a tight checkbook and not really do anything to boost the club and 
it looked like they were going full rebuild mode and just going to sign cheap vets to let the prospects come up. But they went out and made some moves. I mean, they got Bellinger, then they got Dansby, then they got Tyone. Actually, I think they got Tyone first, then Dansby, then Mancini. And they're putting together a system that very well could wind up in the hunt for a wild card spot, if not for the division title. So, Ty, go ahead, take it away. Tell us about your baby bears in Chicago for 2023. Yeah, I I think at the end of the day, they're finding themselves in a two-year period now where they can really start to justify what the future truly is going to look like. And what I mean by that is that they signed a lot of guys, obviously, in their lineup right now that are one to two-year guys. Okay, so you got Eric Hosmer, Trey Mancini, Cody Bellinger, are guys that are one to two-year guys that are going to either be pieces that are uh, valuable for those next two years or they're going to be trade pieces. And that's just the name of the game. Um, the Cubs right now do have some players in their farm system that, you know, Christian, you know, you and I can go over here in a little bit that are going to make it, uh, you know, hopefully a great impact for the future. Um, the Cubs biggest needs right now are to make sure Nico Horner and Ian Happ are signed for the foreseeable future. I mean, Ian Happ has really popped off, especially last year from the offensive standpoint with, uh, you know, over 20 bombs, uh, 73 RBI. You know, almost a 250 batting average, and you know he's on base is 330 and 426 slugging with a 750 OPS. I mean, that's a guy that you just lock up for the future because you're just not going to find bats like that. He's a homegrown guy, um, and he's absolutely loved by the guys in the clubhouse. You know, David Ross, and of course the front staff. Um, Seiya Suzuki really, really needs to step up this year. Um, I know he dealt with some injuries last year, and I know that this was his first year for coming over to the states, which is never easy for anybody in any profession, but. He is a guy that we will need to pop that will need to pop off for the future for their plan to really unfold into the way they want it to. Uh, a couple other guys to look out for just from uh, young players that are really fun to watch. Uh, Christopher Morrell is such a positive outlook for the future based on his clubhouse presence. Obviously a younger guy, so they won't have to pay him for the foreseeable future, but he put, you know, he popped off 17 home runs last year. He had an incredible season um, and he can play all around the field. And of course, with the acquisitions of Eric Osmer, Trey Mancini, you know, you now have the ability to put him over at third base. Um, you obviously can, kind of withhold Patrick wisdom from playing that position because he did struggle over there a little bit over at third base. You can have him more in that DH role with Trey Mancini. Um, I, overall, man, I think it's just a solid off season with adding, you know, just a couple guys that I feel like were needed for the time being, uh, you know, a guy like Tucker Barnhart adding with young goes around the dish, you know, this is fully a defensive minded club. And I think it's going to be great to fit in with David Ross. So, Overall, I'm super excited uh, from a projection standpoint for this lineup. Um, yeah, I mean they'll they'll do well. I mean they'll 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 have some bats there. They're probably going to have some high run games, um, but you know it's it, it will depend upon the fact of guys like say a Suzuki, um, even guys like Cody Bellinger really popping off from the offensive side to really make this lineup worth it. Cause you can't rely just strictly on Eric Cosmer or Trey Mancini to do the job the entire time. Finally, just looking at the lineup, of course I do have to talk about Dancy Swanson, my favorite signing probably uh, since the John Lester signing, just because you're adding a guy that wants to win. You're adding a guy who only cares about winning and it's not about his, you know, publicity outside the club. It's not about what he's doing 
off the field from the standpoint of like advertisements or ad deals or any of this other crap that some of these guys end up getting themselves into and focusing on too much. Dansby is here to win and here to win now. And I just love that up the middle, uh, you know, duo with him and Horner. I think Swanson was the best signing for the Cubs. Um, other guys would have been better from the offensive side, but Dansby's a sure glove at shortstop, and now we have a guy for the future. So that's what I got on the lineup from the starting rotation side of things. I mean, like I said with the Cardinals, I mean, it's going to be the fact with the Cubs um, and maybe potentially a little worse. Um, Marcus Stroman, Jameson Tyone, Justin Steele, Drew Smiley, Keegan Thompson. The Cubs need Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson to blow off uh, or, or, or really pop off from the standpoint of that they are really improving for the future and not sitting back and potentially uh, being bust because they're two guys that really have put in the time and the work, and I, I truly do see them uh, having a standout year for them. Uh, Jamison Tyone, obviously just a solid arm to put in the rotation here for the foreseeable future. Um, heard some things on a podcast the other day with Jake Arrieta and Barstool Carl. Shout out that uh, it was a really good conversation with Tyone. It seemed like he's going to be um, a really good guy to have at the forefront of that rotation, which I hopefully would see him in the three spot, two or three spot uh, in the future, hopefully finding a true ace. Um, I don't feel too confident Marcus Stroman, but you never know. And then Drew Smiley is just, you know, Drew Smiley, he's just going to go out there and pitch and, you know, you'll get some good starts, bad starts and, it is what it is. So Cubs overall, from the standpoint of rotation, lineup, they're better than they were last year. They're better than they probably were if they were to keep some of the guys like Javi Baez and Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, I'm just being honest. Uh, so I think that we're starting to see what the plan is for the Cubs because a lot of people got so, they got so much criticism when they didn't sign uh, Xander or they didn't sign Trey Turner or they didn't sign Correa or didn't go out there and everyone felt like they were making the wrong moves. I think that they are stay, sticking with their plan and a lot of these guys are going to believe in David Ross and what the mission is of this club. Uh, so yeah, don't don't be shocked to see them kind of pop off a little bit. They'll have their struggles. Um, they won't be the top tier of the league, but hell, they may somehow get in the wild card. So hopefully that was a decent breakdown because I can't wait. I seriously can't wait. It's going to be nice to order that order this package again to watch the Cubs because, God, man, it was tough last year. Yeah, I think that was a, a really good breakdown. And I'm really curious to see what they do at, at third because those two names that you hit on, Morel and Wisdom, uh, I, I mean, I think that you can't really go wrong necessarily with either one. I think people would probably rather see Morel play over there, but wisdom. I, I really like him. I know some true Cubs fans don't, but he's a guy who, who I've enjoyed watching and I think brings a, a lot of good things into that lineup. And then Nick Madrigal too, is the other name that I don't think you mentioned who I know hasn't been necessarily what you guys were hoping for when you made that trade with the White Sox to get him. Uh, but who knows? I mean, that's another another versatile guy that you can fill in there into second or short, especially. But I know we talked a little bit a couple weeks ago when it was posted on Twitter by one of the beat writers that they were going to work out magical at third base um, a little bit, which I don't necessarily see that coming into play ever for them. But an interesting move, no less. And now, since this is is your club, and I know that you guys have made some moves over the last couple of years, which were heartbreaking to see some of those guys go, but 
you did get some prospects in return. So when you look into the Cubs farm system, Ty, who are a couple of guys that you think we should keep our eye on moving forward? Yeah. First off, from a pitching standpoint, a guy that you could potentially see be filled either in the starting rotation or long reliever position is Jordan Wicks, left-hander out of Kansas State, a guy that uh, um, I had the pleasure of actually meeting in person uh, during uh, All-Star Weekend, just an absolute gem of a guy. Um, a guy who has one of the best changeups uh, from the lefties in the farm system base uh, across all farm systems. Um, he's not going to overpower you with his fastball, uh, but he's a true pitcher. And I think that a lot of the times that can be lost in today's, uh, you know, art of pitching now when, you know, a lot of it is obviously analytical base and velocity, pure velocity um, and elevating fastballs when at the end of the day, if you can pitch, you can pitch. And so Jordan Wicks is definitely somebody to look out for and has a likelihood of being, of seeing the big league field this year. Um, some other guys, of course, is Matt Mervis, which is a guy that everyone is really talking about. And a lot of people were disappointed when they saw that we signed Hosmer as well. Um, with Mancini, I think everyone thought that Mancini would be the signing. And then you have Mancini and Matt Mervis over at first base. Matt Mervis had over 30 home runs last year in minor league baseball and uh, AAA. And so people were disappointed to see that. Um, I wonder if the Cubs see something we don't that maybe he needs another year. Um, maybe they want to see if this is for real and see if he does this in spring training against big league pitching. So definitely a guy to watch out for as well. Finally, um, I would say just from the other bats to watch out for, Owen Cassie's a guy over the next couple of years you could see he was drafted, um, or he came over in the U Darvish trade uh, from San Diego. He is an absolute dude in the outfield and was killing it last year, especially in the AFL. Um, he, you saw a lot of improvement. Um, finally, I'll stop going on my rant. I'm really looking forward to Kate Horton, but again, that's probably a couple guys that maybe we're looking towards a foreseeable future. Um, but really, that's kind of the breakdown. Brennan Davis, maybe too, but again, all these all these moves that they made this season, it seems like they want one more year of of time for some of these guys. I don't know if you agree, Christian. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of those. Um, I think Hosmer is going to be actually a very underrated signing because you know you look at it as. Oh, it's Eric Hosmer, and he hasn't really done that great since his couple years where he popped off with the Royals. But I am a big Eric Hosmer fan, and I think him going to Chicago is actually a really perfect fit. So I can definitely understand the frustration of Cubs fans to get both him and Mancini, especially when you have a guy like Mervis on the come up. But I think Hosmer's going to become kind of a fan favorite pretty quickly. Uh, he, you know, started the year super hot last year in San Diego and then dropped off a little bit when he got sent out to Boston. But I think this move to Chicago for him is, I think it's going to be great for him. And I think that the fans are just going to reap all the benefits of it. And then looking at the prospects that I had, Jordan Wicks, obviously is the name that I had for basically the same reasons as you, I think with the back end of that Cubs rotation and some of the question marks, maybe in the bullpen, I think you could definitely see him come up if if the Cubs run into some pitching issues pretty early on as long as Wicks has a good spring training and puts up some pretty good numbers in AAA or AA, wherever he's going to start for them yep. early in the season. I think that I, I, you know, everything you said, I agree with um, with him. The other prospect that I had on here on the um, 
offensive and positional side is a guy that I had on here for reasons that are different than the past, whatever, six that we've done when I've talked about it. And that's Ed Howard, because Ed Howard was a guy who, you know, from South side of Chicago drafted by the Cubs, a lot of people really, really high on him out of the Cubs organization. I mean, it's basically Carl Edwards Jr., but from a offensive side, because the dude's just, I mean, a tall, lanky kid. Um, you know, he, a, an exceptional glove and doesn't hit necessarily for power too much, but with what he does contact wise with the glove on the defensive side is what put him in the first round, in my opinion, at least. But now that you have Dansby there for what, seven years, right? You kind of have to wonder what they're going to do with Ed Howard, because obviously when you draft a guy like that, you're sort of grooming him to be your everyday shortstop after a, three years, four years. And now you have that position filled up. So where they are going to move him, I mean, second base obviously will make the most sense, but could you try and put him at third just in case I was maybe thinking the same Morel thing. doesn't work out? Is he a guy who you, you build up a little bit to go play over on the hot corner in the future? And so I'm really curious to see what happens there because it's a very highly touted prospect that I think the Cubs were very lucky to get where they did in the draft a couple of years ago when they picked him. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just overall, when looking at both teams that we just discussed, obviously I'm pretty hard on the Cardinals and maybe I like, like to be, but if I'm looking at both teams, obviously I'm putting the Cardinals ahead of them in, in against, against the Cubs. Um, I would just say that from the Cardinals standpoint, just looking at pitching Christian, I mean, if those guys can withstand and keep their play and, 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 you know, obviously consistently go out there five, six, seven innings. I mean, they're in a good spot. And then with the Cubs, I mean, it's just going to be, you know, can you withstand some of the teams that you're going to see with some of the arms? Um, So not trying to be so biased here, folks. Uh, The Cubs obviously are exciting team at this point, but again, there's still a long road ahead with, they need to make some deals and, and, and really hit on some of these prospects that are coming up in order for this plan to work out and make Jed look like a genius when many thought he was not. Well, all right, folks, that is going to wrap it up for us tonight. Ty, you got any closing thoughts before we shut it down? No, we're just a couple weeks away, man. Uh, Super stoked. Uh, This is going to be a very exciting spring training because you just saw so many moves happen this offseason. So you'll see new guys in new uniforms um, and seeing them obviously get their feet wet with uh, within spring training and in those organizations. Um, you know, now we're starting to come up on uh, arbitration here next couple of weeks. Uh, tune into the last episode as Christian does a fantastic breakdown of what that all entails and some of the players that are in it right now uh but dude this is just always fun i'm looking forward to next week when we get to talk about some of the other nl central teams yeah next week we'll we'll hit the other three the the crew the reds and the pirates uh monday actually starts arbitration hearings so we will see what happens with that i think most of the guys who are on the first couple days are probably going to settle but i think max freeds is on wednesday and he's for sure going so That'll be interesting if we get to talk about that. Um, Other than that, that wraps it up for tonight. So take care, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week.